a copy of the Word of God. We're going to remind you again, get in the Word. Every single day, get some of God's Word and weave it into the fabric of your being. You know, we have we learned it yet? That before the enemy can defeat you, he must... They haven't learned it yet. Have you learned it yet? Before the enemy can defeat you, he must... Disarm you. Some of you guys are armless. And when you're defeated, you ain't going nowhere in life. No arms, no legs. He's got, you know, it's not hard to defeat somebody who doesn't have the weapon that's required to, to defend yourself. Amen? And, and to do warfare. You, you're, you've been called of God to demonstrate Satan's defeat every day of your life. But you've got to do it according to the Word of God. And a lot of you guys have been tricked out of getting in the Word by wrong belief systems about the Word. You, well, the Bible's boring. You've been reading the wrong parts. I'll prove that today. You, you know, well, I, I, don't know how, I don't know how to do it. It's too stinking easy. We live in a day and age when you can have somebody read a chapter of Proverbs to you before you get out of bed, all from a Bible app. You know, it's just too easy. You've got to have God's Word. I'm telling you, you want God's Word in your life. So get in that book. Look, somebody close. Say, get in the book. Amen. Hold your Bible up real high. Lift it up. We're going to make a confession together. Lift up your Bible. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. Say, I choose to do what it says I can do. Say, I have an open mind. I have a teachable spirit. From this moment forward, say, I'll never be the same. Shout it. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name. Come on, give God one more big praise this morning. He's worthy. Oh, come on. That ain't the best you got. Give him big praise. Amen. Why do you do that? Because that's God's love language. And we like God to know we love him. Amen. We've been in a series, and today we're going to wrap it up, uh, Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad Cultural Mindsets. And realizing that there is a, uh, a, you know, there's a world's way to do, to do all kinds of life, but then there's God's way. In John 10.10, 10, it says, I've come that you might have and enjoy life. Life in abundance, to the top, till it overflows. Zoe is the word there for life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life as God has it. Uh, we're supposed to be living this life. It's, you know, this, it's the type of life that God has. It's more life than death, more peace than chaos, more hope than despair, more provision than lack, more health than sickness. We're supposed to be having this crazy, awesome life. But even in the church today, the, the same statistics that are in the world are now represented by the church. And, and we're getting the same results as the church. Why is that? Well, because we've bought into a lot of, of cultural lies. And we're under the impression that church life and God life is religious and ceremonial. And, and you know, there ain't nothing wrong with it. You can like all of that stuff. But a lot of times, that ain't the point. How many of you know, uh, how many you know that uh, you, you, know, you can join a bowling league, and they're going to tell you what shirt to wear, what shoes to put on? Uh, they're they're going to get you, you know, to uh, to get the towel with your initials and monogrammed on there, right? You're, you're going to pay pay the league dues. If you get any good at all, you're going to get the. You, you don't just have a ball bag. You got the double ball bag. You got that thing that slips on your wrist. Keep your fingers just like that. That's to hold your pop. <laughs> you you can have all that gear, have all those clothes, do all that stuff, and still throw. Gutter balls. 
And see, you can, you can have all the religious ceremonial stuff and still live your life in the gutter. What we want you to do is know how to live God life. Not weird life. God life. And the enemy gets your mind all wrapped up. You get all these weird pictures of what that looks like. And oh, I'm going to go door to door with a family-sized Bible. No, you're not. You're going to demonstrate Satan's defeat every day of your life. God's not trying to make you strange. He's trying to make you powerful. He's trying to make you effective so that you can literally get out of bed and humiliate hell every day. That when the stuff that's presented to you in life that used to knock you out, used to cause you to crumble, used to cause you to go the wrong way, now all of a sudden that's just a stepping block to the next level of glory that you're living your life at because God's causing all things to work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to His purpose. You've got to you've got to understand and a clear vision. You've got to you know, you've got a strong focus and a backbone to do what's right. You know, the Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. The word was God. The, the word is logos there. And, and it's where we get our English word logic. In the beginning was God's system of logic. And God, everything he created and everything that he put together and all of the, this whole system was operating according to God's system of logic. But the world has a secular system of logic that is introduced. And matter of fact, in our culture and in our society, anything that's biblical is automatically shunned. Right? There, there's, been, there's been this huge swing away from anything biblical. And, and we'll do anything except what the Bible says. But even the world's unhappy with the results that they're getting. Ain't nobody celebrating the fact that over half the marriages in America end in divorce. And nobody's saying that's a good thing. They're just saying just don't do it God's way. Because now, now that we said we had a better way, we got to fight. You know, it's kind of like, it's kinda like uh, uh, you know, uh, one of your relatives that even though they figured out they're wrong, they can't admit it now because that would mean to admit that you were right. And, and, and there's this big tug of war. Uh, and, but, you know, we're not trying to prove we're right. We're trying to prove God's way will produce life for you. Okay? He knows what he was doing. He put this stuff together. And so, you know, we started in the series, and, and, and we talked about, uh, you know, last week, Pastor Shark, he was here, talked about money. Really, it's breaking the spirit of mammon off of our life and not living to get everything we can, but, but, but knowing that God, God's desire is for us to prosper. But there's purpose for that prosperity and, and, and that, we would, that we would align ourselves with him. And the more we do that, the, the better off we get. We've learned that, uh, you know, that when you tithe, that you can end up doing more with 90 percent than you ever could with 100 percent. And it's just part of God's plan. We talked about time and come to an understanding that God doesn't want you all wore out and beat up from the street up and, you know, broken and depressed and separated from your family. And at the end of the day, you, you know, at the end of life. The, 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 you know, boom, what happened? God wants you rested. God wants you strong. God, God wants to increase your effectiveness. He, he wants to give you more strength. He wants to uh, uh, give you greater endurance. Hello? We've learned that what the tithe does for the dollar, the Sabbath will do for our time. And, and God's got a plan. And today, we're going to talk about what God has to say about sex. Been warning you for weeks. Matter of fact, some of you guys look really, really happy. And you should be. I mean, look at Kelly Wilkerson just beaming over there. And, and, and you know, we're, we're going we're, we're gonna to talk about sex. And I've been telling you for weeks, you know, hey, this would be a great weekend for your children, you know, 12 and under, to be in the children's ministry and eating ice cream and having a great time. This is a great time for those younger kids, 13 and up. Get them in here. Get them on the front. We got Stephen right on the front, right where we want him. And, uh, uh, 
And, you know, last night we started in, and a few minutes into it, I noticed that, you know, my peripheral vision, uh, the whole row got up and headed out the door, and half of them were about 10 years old. If I were you, I'd just leave now. You know, if you got young kids, because we're going to talk about sex. <laughs> Let's get it on. That's funny, Keith. All right. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, uh, this culture is just pumping lies at you. But they claim to know God, but they don't want to worship Him as God. Everybody in America is Christian. Nobody's actually following God. They don't want to allow God to direct their steps or their ways. They want to be in control. And they make statements, and you've even thought this and made, probably made this statement like myself. This is my life. And that's the problem is that we end up living our life instead of the life God's opened the door for us to live. And this culture, you know, is just wanting you to, to join forces with them. But God knew that was going to happen. He prophesied it. He had them write about it. Look at Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. You know, there's so many people. Can I just tell you that all things working together for good in your life? That's God's hand. You, you ought to be thankful. I actually thought I'd get a bigger amen than that. You, you ought to be grateful for what God's been doing in your life. Amen. They knew Him. They wouldn't worship Him. They wouldn't give Him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. Well, you can't tell us. what God could be anything we wanted to be. No, He can't. He's defined in His Word. Okay? And, and they came up with foolish ideas of what God was like. And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. That's, that's kind of like the generation we're living in right now. Dark and confused. Dark and confused just describes where we're at. Uh, just think, especially, especially when it comes to sex. You know, on TV this year, not in the movies, but on TV this year, just TV, there's going to be 17,000 sexual scenes. And we know people who probably aren't going to miss any of them. 91% of those sexual scenes will be performed out of wedlock. Why? Because they're trying to bring confusion to this generation. I'm telling you, you know, the porn industry this year, their annual revenue will be equivalent to Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL, and NHL combined. And then we're going to sit around and wonder, what, how, how did we lose a generation? Why do we have so much disease and discomfort and divorce? Because we've tried to redefine God. And we've tried to align ourselves with society and we want to fit in. But God called you to stand out. You know, not in some weird, strange way. Our life should be so attractive that people who don't like us actually want to be like us. Hello, somebody. Look at this. In verse 22, claiming to be wise, instead they became utter fools. And as a result, they did vile, degrading things with each other's bodies. Verse 25, they traded the truth about God for a lie. That's what we want to talk about, just a few of those lies. And, and you know, there's not enough time to really get super deep into this stuff. But I want you to really listen to me today. The culture's trying to force feed you several lies. And we, we, want, to, we want to unveil that and tell you, hey, you know what, God's got a better way. Okay, it's just a better way. The first lie about sex that culture wants you to believe is that sex is an animalistic action. 
You're just an animal. You're just following urges and desires, and it's out of your control. You've just got these feelings. You can't help it, and you need to satisfy those feelings. I'm here today to tell you, you can't trust your stinking feelings. I said, you can't trust your feelings. If I trust my feelings, we wouldn't even be here today. I won't tell you where we'd be. We'd be practicing last night's message. We can't, we can't live by feelings. We've got to live by convictions. Hello, somebody. Well, you need to bring your feelings into subjection to what you know is true. Culture's trying to tell you, oh, look at the, it's the birds and the bees. They can't help it. It's a natural response. You can't help it. It's just natural. So what we're going to teach you is the wisdom of our society and our culture. And we're going to take our children and tell them that it's totally out of their control. It's not their fault. They have those feelings. So we're going to teach them how to do it safely. Use a condom. Ew. I just want to say that again. Ew. Use a condom. That's not the way God intended it to occur. Not only there's there's so much stuff that you could that you could get and get a hold of, but I'm here today to tell you that that's not God's plan. One of the one of the grow groups is watching a DVD series by a man named Mark Grunger. It's awesome. And we're going to try to get as many of these as we can and offer it to as many people as we can. Uh, but I agree with one of the statements he made. He said, using a condom is kind of like eating ice cream with a sock on your tongue. You know what? If you have sex with your wife, you don't need a condom. I mean, if you're going to do it the world's way, you better wear three of them. Because they have not proven to be super, super effective. But if you're going to do it God's way, well, you're not going to need that thing. Well, that seems dangerous. You're telling our kids not to use a condom. I'm telling our kids, let's do life God's way. Well, they can't help it. It's, it's beyond their control. There has never been ever anybody in a morgue, and you read the tag on their toe, and it said cause of death, lack of sex. He, it, you know what? He died. He went blind first, and then he died. No, that, that's not the dealy bob there. Hello, somebody. Well, he's just an animal. He, he can't control himself. It, it's not their fault. Man, you can't be led by your feelings. How many, of, how, how many deer hunters are in the house? Hold your hand up real high. Got some deer hunters. You, you know, uh, there ain't nothing like getting a big rack bull. But I got to tell you something. You got to know what you're doing. Because that, 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 that buck, man, with that honking huge rack, he is not stupid. He's very, very smart. He stays back in the shadows and hidden. His head's always up. His eyes are always open. He's insanely alert. He'll put his head down, bite, take a bite, and, and, and he's always looking around. But, but, you know, the fawn, on the other hand, you know, you, you know, you ever been out in the woods and you see the fawn? Here comes the fawn. Carefree. The doe, pretty similar. A little bit more cautious, but just... What's up? But the buck, if you, if you even get to see him, you got to be ready. Until the rut. 
That's the season when the dough is in heat. Then that insanely intelligent animal no longer head up. Head to the ground. Where's she at? Where's she at? Where's she at? Where's she at? Nope. Where's she at? Where's she at? Where? What? Ah, where's she at? Where's she at? Okay. And then he ends up on somebody's wall. Okay? He's just mounted or in their belly. How, how many, how many uh, turkey hunters? Dude, turkeys have insane vision. Turkey can see you blink your eye at over 75 yards away. You raise up your gun too late. He can see you. His peripheral vision. You don't have to be in front of him. You can be behind him. And he see you coming. Until. <laughs> that's, how they, that's how they get that big, smart, incredible bird. They make girl sounds. That's you girls right there. <laughs> and here comes that, here comes that big tom. Where's she at? And he starts strutting, and he throws his feathers out. He blocks his own vision. What used to be an insane defense, he gives up to impress a chick. And he ends up mounted on the wall. Served for Thanksgiving dinner. Don't wind up a dead turkey. Don't, don't wind up mounted on someone's wall. Don't be Satan's trophy. Come on, young lady. Don't be the trophy of some arrogant football player who won't remember your name and could care less if you're going to carry the wound of that encounter the rest of your life. There's so much information. It's, you know, because we, we've known this is coming for, so for several weeks. We've been studying and looking at it and trying to figure out, okay, what are we going to present? And what are we going to hold back? And there's so much stuff. It amazes me how we got to be so stupid. Because the damage... That this mindset produces, if you buy into the lie of this culture that you're just an animal, you end up dead, killed, destroyed. The second lie about sex that this culture wants you to buy into is that sex is just a recreational activity. The God, the church, they just don't want you to have any fun. Look, it was just spring break thing. It doesn't matter. I can't remember her name, but it ain't no big deal. It's like a sport. It's entertainment to me. It has nothing to do with two people. It's just an event. But you need to understand that sex is not just an event. It's not just physical. It's spiritual. Couples who wait for sex until after marriage, you know, it's nuts. The divorce rate for couples who waited is down under 10%. Oh, they don't tell you that part. Well, everybody's doing it. Well, everybody's getting a divorce. Everybody has, has chaos. And, and i got to tell you something. If you think divorce isn't going to affect anybody, it's just you and that. It, it's, you're going to deal with this thing for generations. 
And some of you guys are in situations. I'm not trying to put you down. I'm just, I, matter of fact, uh, you know, I got some great friends who are who are way up there in the amount of marriages that they're at. But thank God this time they're doing it right. And they would want you to know that that's not God's best. And God wants you to have his best. So what we ought to do is do it his way. Hello, somebody. You know, God intended the sex act to cause a fusion deep within your souls. And, it, and, and that kind of leads to the biggest lie that this culture wants you to believe. And, and the third lie is this, that sex is just an isolated event. You just walk away from it. Culture has actually spent billions of dollars propagating this message. And everybody in the room will recognize the message. What happens in Vegas? It don't stay in Vegas. It comes home with you. What happens, it, you don't walk away from it. That is an insane lie that the world's spending tons of money to get you to believe. But it's just not true. I can't tell you how many times after 30 years of, of ministry, and other people in the room who have been in it for a long time too will tell you that the people who suffer from long-lasting negative uh, life destruction is almost always traces back to a sexual event. This is huge, guys. Sex abuse. Well, I don't, think, I don't think it's sex abuse. The word abuse is abnormal use put together as one word. Sex outside of God's plan is sex abuse. And, and you're, you're going to deal with those results, and, and you're going to have to reap that in your life. Why? Because it, that's why God said, I want you to do it this way. It wasn't to keep you from what he had created. He created it. This is, this is his idea. You know, the church has been stupid here because our message has been, thou shalt not. Well, that's not what the Bible says about sex either. You know, the church is so weird. I grew up in church. Yeah, I've been in church my entire life. Many of you guys have been in church a long time too. Uh, But we had a tent. I started traveling at age seven with my father and and my my brother and sister. And we did evangelistic revival meetings all over the place. And and there was a church in one city I got us kicked out of because during the day I went into a bowling alley. Bowling's a sin. It is? Yeah. You're out of here. It's weird because now we're having church in a bowling alley. Rock on. Well, think about think about the, the lie that we've got. If bowling's a sin, guess what? We ain't ever gonna get sex. You know, because you know, if you can't bowl, hello, somebody. That's kind of depressing if you think about it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Well, that's that's not God's plan. That's not His idea. The Bible has a lot to say about sex, and God is the guy. Who put the pleasure in it? God didn't show up in the garden one day, see Adam and Eve over in the bushes and go, oh, myself. This was his plan. I said this was his plan. That's how awesome our God is. I said that's how awesome. You know, we made this message PG-13 for the part, for God's part. You know, told you the three lies that the, that, that the world's telling you. But now, you know, as we get into God, what God has to say about it, now's when we got to be a little bit careful. And I, that just, I just think God's cool. You, you know, look at this. In your Bible, Song of Solomon. And, be, and just let me remind you of Bible imagery. Males are referred to as a fountain or a spring. 
Females are referred to as a whale. If you don't understand that, talk to your mama. Okay? So just get that. Now, Song of Solomon, your stature is like that of the palm and your breasts like clusters of fruit. I said, I'm going to climb that palm tree. I'm going to take hold of its fruit. This what I'm telling you, God's got a lot to say about sex. And it's pretty good stuff. The Bible's boring. You read the wrong part. I thought about doing a series, I still might, on the Song of Solomon, because it's incredible. Your hair is like a flock of goats. I guess 4,000 years ago, that's probably hot talk. I don't know. You know, it's a, you know, your eyes are jewels. Your lips are like scarlet. Your neck is a tower. Your breasts are like two fawns playing amongst the lilies. I'm going to go to the mountain of myrrh. In the back of your Bible, in the map section, there is no mountain of myrrh. Well, if you're here, your eyes, your lips, your neck, where are you supposed the mountain of myrrh is at? And he said, I'm going to go to the mountain of myrrh. I'll stay there all night long. I love the Bible. The Bible's got some stuff to say about sex. Proverbs 5. Verse 15, drink water from your own well. He ain't talking about the hole in the ground, folks. Share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your spring in the street having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves Never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Let your husband, let your spouse rejoice in the spouse of your youth. She is a loving deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. Somebody say, Amen. May you always be captivated. That word captivated means intoxicated or yeehaw. That's what it is in the Greek, I think. Be captivated by her love. Why be captivated by an immoral woman? Immorality, you don't get to define. God does. Well, the church is trying to tell us what's moral and what's immoral. No, the church is telling you what God said. And he's in charge. And anything outside of God's plan is immoral. And he said... Don't be captivated by a moral woman and fondle the breasts of a promiscuous woman. Why? God's trying to keep me from fondling breasts. No, he's trying to keep you from destroying your life, you idiot. Your nose is to the ground, and it's rut season, and you're going to end up dead. 21. The Lord sees clearly what a man does. I, I don't walk with God. He sees clearly what a man does. Whether you call him with you or not, he sees clearly what a man does and examines every path he takes. An evil man is held captive by his own sin. They are ropes that catch him and hold him. He will die for lack of self-control. He will be lost because of his great foolishness. Here's what we're asking you to do. I want to encourage you. Go old school. 
don't buy into the lie of this society. Don't be tricked and deceived, confused in the darkness. Remember uh, Jeremiah 6.16. When you come to the crossroad, look around. When it's time to make a decision, ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path. You'll find rest for your soul. But you say, I don't like that road. God's trying to get us to realize, hey, well, the laws aren't for him. They're for us. It's not to control us. It's to protect us. And if we had any sense at all, we'd say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to live God's way. I'm going to take God's path. I'm going to make decisions directed by God. This new way of doing things, it's destroying everybody's life. Nobody's happy about it, but the people who are doing life God's way. And I'm not talking about the religious ceremonial routine. I'm talking about the steps of a good man being ordered of God. That everybody that lives that way, man, I'm telling you what, they're enjoying great life. Make some wise decisions. We're fighting for your soul. Why? Because this mindset is infiltrated our lives so strong. How do we break a cultural mindset? Well, understand God's plan. First Corinthians chapter six, starting at verse 15. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Do you not know that your body is a member of Christ himself? So weird. People come to church, take their hat off. We're going to the house of God. We're going to, you know, we don't do bad stuff in the, in the house of God. We don't say stuff here that we say out there. We're stupid. Your body is the temple. You're the holy place. This is a building. This is a bowling alley. Sinful, sinful place. You are the temple. You are the holy spot. Don't you know that you're the one that's holy. Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite? You know, uh, that word doesn't freak you out, but the readers who read that, it really freaked them out because it's a sexual term. And he said, don't, don't take Christ's body, fuse it, body, soul, and spirit at the deepest level together with a prostitute. Don't do that. Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute becomes one with her in body. That's why sexual abuse hurts so bad. Because there's a soul tie that's connected that you carry with you forever. It is said the two shall become one flesh. Verse 17, whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. So here's the answer. Verse 18, flee from sexual immorality. Again, who defines that? God did. So sex outside of marriage, he said, flee from it. Flee from immorality. Sex outside of marriage. Well, what's marriage? Marriage, one man, one woman. Oh, this is popular. One man, one woman. One man. One woman. That's just so old-fashioned. Don't you see what's going on in our society today? I mean, you can't tell me that God hates homosexuals. No, God loves them. Well, they can't help it that, that 
she's attracted to her, or that he's attracted to him. They can't help it. I can't help it that I'm attracted to hers. Okay, so he wants a him and I want a her. That's not the point. The point is both of us have to control our desires. Why? Because we have to live God's way, not our way. Why? Because if we live our way, there's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end is death. Hello, somebody. He said, don't, don't learn to overlook it. Run from it. You know, flee immorality. Don't manage it. Run from it. Don't get tough skin. Run from it. Don't learn it. Run from it. Some of you single people, you need to hook up with a married guy. If you're a single woman, hook up with a married woman. Get their phone number so that when you're out on a date with that other single individual, which, by the way, take your Bible, put it on the seat between you. That'll help a lot. That would be a good place for a big old honking family Bible. But when you're on the date and you feel the temperatures are rising and things are heating up, you can make that phone call and you can say, it's about to go down. And the person on the other end of the line can just simply say, run! Why? Because we're fighting for your soul. Flee, flee, flee. Look at verse 18. This is crazy. All other sins... A person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. All other sin, it, it's not that sex makes God matter. No, it's that it hurts you more. Verse 19, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Honor God with your body. A couple of takeaways real quick. Three things I think all of us need to do. One, repent. All of us have had areas in our life where we've stepped outside the boundaries of God's way. How about we just repent instead of we try to cover it? You know, don't flirt with it. Repent from it. If you are cohabitating together outside of marriage, stop it. I had a young lady, and we're probably going to try to get a video clip made soon. But, but one of the gals in the church came to me just, just in between services this morning. And she said, you know, when my husband and I came to you for premarital counseling, and your first question was, are you guys living together already? And we said, yeah. And you said, stop it. You want, you want, to do the, you want God's blessing, then you've got to do it God's way. Stop it. And she said, and so we did because we were afraid of you. <laughs> and they should be. But then she said, you know what? On our wedding day, she said, actually on our, on, our, on our wedding day, I realized what an incredibly wise decision we'd made. And the blessing that we're experiencing now in our life really is a result of those decisions. Not telling you to, I'm not telling you this so that you're kind of weird and outdated. I'm telling you this because God has a plan, a hope, and a future. But the only way to get God's plan is to go there God's way. Don't cover it. Don't excuse it. Don't justify it. Repent. Somebody say, Amen. 
you know, 2 Corinthians 6, I think it is, it says, come out from among them and be ye separate. Change the level of involvement that you've got with the world. I like uh, 1 John 2.15. It's really powerful. It says, don't love the world or anything in the world. If you've got the love of the world in you, the love of the Father is not in you. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, those come not from the Father, but from the world. And the world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. So number one, repent. Number two, receive forgiveness. Many have already performed actions they regret. But you don't only get a God who forgives. You get a God who cleanses. And then the book of Isaiah says, Though your sin be red like scarlet, I can make you white as snow. Receive forgiveness. Receive healing. You know what? There's people in your world that don't want you to be healed, that don't want you to be whole. They want you to be just as broken as they are. Receive your healing. I don't care about your past. I don't care what's happened. God can make you pure again. I'll make you white as snow. So you, you, you've got to receive. You've you got to receive your healing. Just receive it. I've tried to forgive myself. You can't forgive yourself. You have to receive forgiveness. You're not going to change your past. You cannot alter your past. You can only take your past to the altar. So get over it, okay? All of that stuff, all of that condemnation, all of that shame. No, no, no. Be free in Jesus' name. And number three, see, one, you've got to repent. Two, you've got to receive. Number three, reorder your life. I'm telling you, listening to the message, not enough. You've got to make some changes. You might have inappropriate relationships in them. I don't care if you've got to move to another state. Your soul is more valuable than that relationship. You want to guard your soul. It, it, you, know, you know what? Uh, can, can I just say this? You, you single guys, get some wisdom. Don't be don't be flirting with the you know with the world stuff. Live, live smart. You married guys, quit acting single. You know, on the men, I'm usually pretty. I can I can be pretty hard. And and when it's just men, I can be downright brutal. Can I talk to you ladies for a minute? Would you please dress appropriately? Well, I'm trying to fit in with society. If he who loves the world, the love of God is not in him. Well, you, you, I'm telling you, God's not a prude. But you've got these young guys, and they're looking at a palm tree. They want to grab some fruit. And yours are blowing in the wind. And a guy that could grow to be a, a, a big rack buck is going to end up mounted somewhere. Why? Because you killed him. I was preaching. I was preaching one time years ago. I don't know if Shelby remembers. I was preaching one time, and I was on the platform. Platform, uh, and, and they had these seats there. And this gal came in, and her skirt was—it was not even there really. And I was at a church where they always wore a jacket. Thank God. And I just started preaching, and I just took my jacket off, and I went down to the front, and I just laid it on her lap over her legs, and I went back to preaching. And she looked at me weird and I said, don't take it off. <laughs> you know, in the middle of praise and worship, 
The guy's supposed to have his mind and heart riveted on God, and he can't because well, you get the picture. You know, it's just. <laughs> Let me be pastoral. If you're so insecure about yourself, listen, sister. I love you, but if you're so insecure about yourself that you need men when they look at you to notice your goods, you need healing. You just need healing. Now, I'm not talking about going, you know, getting a dress so long that it wipes your tracks out on the dusty trail. Uh, you know, and, and that, you, that you, you know, we, you, we, well, we can't wear makeup. No, I think every old barn needs some fresh paint. I think, I think, uh, now I'm just being real. I think there's a difference. I, I, I think there's a boundary. And I think that if I can get men to live godly. I really believe I really believe part of my mandate is to get strong men to live strong God-centered lives. But it can be very very difficult when some of you women bring the world's concept and flaunt it in the presence of godly men. Well, that hurt my feelings. Good. Reorder your life. Change your clothes. Thank you. I, I know what the younger woman said. Well, that was an older woman. That was wise. Second Corinthians seven one. Therefore, since we have these promises, what promises? That there's an awesome life God wants you to have. Let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Come on, break bad cultural mindsets. Repent and receive that healing. You know, I'm pretty certain that, at, and young person, hear me, I'm pretty certain that there's nobody in this room that at the end of their life, that the, the, the message that they'd want you to hear is that, man, if I had only had a few more sexual encounters. No, those are the regrets. And that if we would just purify our lives, if we just, you know, repent from all that stuff, but receive the healing, start fresh, be pure, be made whole. And if we just reorder our lives and do it God's way, I'm telling you, there's rest for your soul. There's life, there's health, there's healing. Let's do it God's way. Amen? Amen. Close, close your book. Bow your head. We're going to pray a prayer before we leave here today. If you're in this place, you say, you know what? It's time for me to get on the, on the good way. I've been walking the world's path. Uh, you know, 